It's July the 13th. Let's read the Bible. Friends, welcome back to this year-long journey from Genesis to Revelation in just one year. So glad to have you with us and really happy that here in the middle of the summer when the sun is shining and it's a great time to go outside, just glad that through all the busyness of the summer, you are spending some time today with us in the Word of God. Well, I've got a note from a friend I've known for many years. My friend writes me and says, Hi, Pastor Ray. I've been reading the Bible along with you every day this year. It is a joy to hear your voice and see your face as we are going through the Word of our God. I love that you're using the Calvary Bible for your reading of Psalms. Also, I'm sorry to say, I have particularly enjoyed you reading some of those long passages of names. I think it was back in Numbers 26 that I laughed right out loud. A lot of effort to read and pronounce all those names, and you do a great job. Well, since then, that was way back in Numbers. Since then, we've made our way through Numbers and uh, Deuteronomy, and Joshua, and Judges, Ruth, and 1st, 2nd Samuel, and 1st and 2nd Kings. And well, when we came to 1st Chronicles, you know, uh, <laughs> some of those, a couple of those times, I had to stop and start and record and re-record because that nine chapters of, of names at the beginning of 1st Chronicles, that just almost did me in. But by God's grace, we made it through 1st and 2nd Chronicles. And here we are in the middle of the amazing book of Acts. Just remember, Acts is about two people, Peter, especially, chapters 1 through 12, and then Paul, especially, chapters 13 through 28. So now, here we are. Paul and Barnabas have finished their first missionary journey. It was a grand success, despite much opposition. And now, we're going to see what happens when they make their report in Jerusalem, because trouble is brewing. Acts 15, some men came down from Judea and began to teach the brothers, unless you are circumcised according to the custom prescribed by Moses, you cannot be saved. After Paul and Barnabas had engaged them in serious argument and debate, Paul and Barnabas and some others were appointed to go up with the apostles uh, to the apostles and elders in Jerusalem about this issue. When they'd been sent on their way by the church, they passed through both Phoenicia and Samaria, describing in detail the conversion of the Gentiles, and they brought great joy to all the brothers and sisters. When they arrived at Jerusalem, they were welcomed by the church, the apostles, and the elders, and they reported all that God had done with them. But some of the believers who belonged to the party of the Pharisees stood up and said, it is necessary to circumcise them and to command them to keep the law of Moses. The apostles and elders gathered to consider this matter. After there had been much debate, Peter stood up and said to them, Brothers, you are aware that in the early days God made a choice among you that by my mouth the Gentiles would hear the gospel message and believe. And God, who knows the heart, bore witness to them by giving them the Holy Spirit, just as he did to us. He made no distinction between us and them, cleansing their hearts by faith. Now then, why are you testing God? by putting a yoke on the disciples' necks that neither our ancestors nor we have been able to bear. On the contrary, we believe that we are saved through the grace of our Lord Jesus in the same way they are. 
the whole assembly became silent and listened to Barnabas and Paul describe all the signs and wonders God had done through them among the Gentiles. After they stopped speaking, James responded, Brothers, listen to me. Simeon has reported how God first intervened to take from the Gentiles a people for his name. And the words of the prophets agree with this, as it is written, After these things I will return and rebuild David's fallen tent. I will rebuild its ruins and set it up again, so that the rest of humanity may seek the Lord, even all the Gentiles who are called by my name, declares the Lord, who makes these things known from long ago. Therefore, in my judgment, we should not cause difficulties for those among the Gentiles who turn to God, but instead we should write to them to abstain from things polluted by idols, from sexual immorality, from anything, from eating anything that has been strangled, and from blood. For since ancient times, Moses has had those who proclaim him in every city and every Sabbath day, he has read aloud in the synagogues. Then the apostles and the elders with the whole church decided to select men who were among them and to send them to Antioch with Paul and Barnabas. Judas called Barsabbas and Silas, both leading men among the brothers. They wrote, From the apostles and the elders, your brothers, to the brothers and sisters among the Gentiles in Antioch, Syria, and Cilicia. Greetings. Since we have heard that some without our authorization went out from us and troubled you with their words and unsettled your hearts, we have unanimously decided to select men and send them to you along with our dearly loved Barnabas and Paul, who have risked their lives for the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, we have sent Judas and Silas, who will personally report the same things by word of mouth, for it was the Holy Spirit's decision and ours not to place further burdens on you beyond these requirements, that you abstain from food offered to idols, from blood, from eating anything that has been strangled, and from sexual immorality. You will do well if you keep yourselves from these things. Farewell. So they were sent off and went down to Antioch, and after gathering the assembly, they delivered the letter. When they read it, they rejoiced because of its encouragement. Both Judas and Silas, who were prophets themselves, encouraged the brothers and sisters and strengthened them with a long message. After spending some time there, they were sent back in peace by the brothers and sisters to those who had sent them. But Paul and Barnabas, along with many others, remained in Antioch teaching and proclaiming the word of the Lord. After some time, Paul said to Barnabas, let's go back and visit the brothers and sisters in every town where we have preached the word of the Lord and see how they are doing. Barnabas wanted to take along John, who was called Mark, but Paul insisted that they should not take along this man who had deserted them in Pamphylia and had not gone on with them to the work. They had such a sharp disagreement that they parted company, and Barnabas took Mark with him and sailed off to Cyprus. But Paul chose Silas and departed after being commended by the brothers and sisters to the grace of the Lord. He traveled to Syria and Cilicia, strengthening the churches. Acts chapter 16. Now we're going to begin to track along Paul's second missionary journey. Paul went on to Derby and Lystra, where there was a disciple named Timothy, the son of a believing Jewish woman, but his father was a Greek. The brothers and sisters at Lystra and Iconium spoke highly of him. Paul wanted Timothy to go with him, so he took him and circumcised him because of the Jews who were in those places, since they all knew that his father was a Greek. As they traveled through the towns, they, just, they delivered the decisions reached by the apostles and elders at Jerusalem for the people to observe. 
So the churches were strengthened in faith and grew daily in numbers. They went through the region of Phrygia and Galatia. They had been forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia. When they came to Mysia, they tried to go into Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus did not allow them. Passing by Mysia, they went down to Troas. During the night, Paul had a vision in which a Macedonian man was standing and pleading with him, Cross over to Macedonia and help us. After he had seen the vision, we immediately made efforts to set out for Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. From Troas, we put out to sea and sailed straight for, for Samothrace, the next day to Neapolis and from there to Philippi, a Roman colony and a leading city of the district of Macedonia. We stayed in that city for several days. On the Sabbath day, we went outside the city gate by the river, where we expected to find a place of prayer. We sat down and spoke to the women gathered there. A God-fearing woman named Lydia, a dealer in purple cloth from the city of Thyatira, was listening. The Lord opened her heart to respond to what Paul was saying. After she and her household were baptized, she urged us, If you consider me a believer in the Lord, come and stay at my house. And she persuaded us. Once, as we were on our way to prayer, a slave girl met us who had a spirit by which she predicted the future. She made a large profit for her owners by fortune-telling. As she followed Paul and us, she cried out, These men who are proclaiming to you a way of salvation are the servants of the Most High God. She did this for many days. Paul was greatly annoyed. Turning to the Spirit, he said, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And it came out right away. When her owners realized that their hope of profit was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace to the authorities, bringing them before the chief magistrates. They said, these men are seriously disturbing our city. They are Jews and are promoting customs that are not legal for us as Romans to adopt or practice. The crowd joined in the attack against them, and the chief magistrates stripped off their clothes and ordered them to be beaten with rods. After they had severely flogged them, they threw them in jail, ordering the jailer to guard them, guard them carefully. Receiving such an order, he put them in the inner prison and secured their feet in the stocks. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly, there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the jail were shaken, and immediately all the doors were open and everyone's chains came loose. When the jailer woke up, and saw the doors of the prison standing open, he drew his sword and was going to kill himself since he thought the prisoners had escaped. But Paul, but Paul called out in a loud voice, Don't harm yourself. We are all here. The jailer called for lights, rushed in and fell down trembling before Paul and Silas. He escorted them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? They said, Believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, you and your household. And they spoke the word of the Lord to him, along with everyone in his house. He took them the same hour of the night and washed their wounds. Right away, he and all his family were baptized. He brought them into his house, set a meal before them, and rejoiced, because he had come to believe in God with his entire household. When daylight came, the chief magistrate sent the police to say, Release those men. The jailer reported these words to Paul. The magistrates have sent orders for you to be released, so come out now and go in peace. But Paul said to them, They beat us in public without a trial, although we are Roman citizens and threw us in jail, and now they're going to send us away secretly? Certainly not. On the contrary, let them come ourselves and escort us out. 
the police reported these words to the magistrates. They were afraid when they heard that Paul and Silas were Roman citizens, so they came to appease them and escorted them from prison. So they came to appease them and escorting them from prison, they urged them to leave town. After leaving the jail, they came to Lydia's house where they saw and encouraged the brothers and sisters and departed. Note that Paul would not be pushed around. He's not going to be run out of town in the middle of the night. He is claiming his rights as a Roman citizen. Hold on to that thought. That's going to be a bigger issue as we go further in the book of Acts. Now, chapter 17. After they passed through Amphipolis and Apollonia, they came to Thessalonica, where there was a Jewish synagogue. As usual, Paul went into the synagogue and on three Sabbath days reasoned with them from the scriptures, explaining and proving that it was necessary for the Messiah to suffer and rise from the dead. This Jesus I am proclaiming to you is the Messiah. Some of them were persuaded and joined Paul and Silas, including a large number of God-fearing Greeks, as well as a number of the leading women. But the Jews became jealous, and they brought together some wicked men from the marketplace, formed a mob, and started a riot in the city, attacking Jason's house. They searched for them to bring them out to the public assembly. When they did not find them, they dragged Jason and some of the brothers before the city officials, shouting, These men who have turned the world upside down have come here also, and Jason has welcomed them. They are all acting contrary to Caesar's decrees, saying that there is another King Jesus. The crowd and city officials who heard these things were upset. After taking a security bond from Jason and the others, they released him. As soon as it was night, the brothers and sisters sent Paul and Silas away to Berea. Upon arrival, they went into the synagogue of the Jews. The people here were of more noble character than those in Thessalonica, since they received the word with eagerness and examined the scriptures daily to see if these things were so. Consequently, many of them believed, including a number of the prominent Greek women as well as men. But when the Jews from Thessalonica found out that the word of God had been proclaimed by Paul at Berea, they came there too, agitating and upsetting the crowds. Then the brothers and sisters immediately sent Paul away to go to the coast, but Silas and Timothy stayed on there. Those who escorted Paul brought him as far as Athens, and after receiving instructions for Silas and Timothy to come to him as quickly as possible, they departed. And I pause here to say, Paul has now come to the intellectual center of the ancient world. Um, if Rome was the political capital, then Athens was the literary and intellectual center of the ancient world. And Paul is here. Now, what's going to happen? Paul's alone because uh, Silas and Timothy left behind at Berea, now alone by himself in this idol-filled intellectual center. What will happen? Verse 16, while Paul was waiting for them in Athens, he was deeply distressed when he saw that the city was full of idols. So he reasoned in the synagogue with the Jews and with those who worship God, as well as in the marketplace every day with those who happened to be there. Some of the Epicurean and Stoic philosophers also debated with him. Some said, what is this ignorant show-off trying to say? Others replied, he seems to be a preacher of foreign deities because he was telling the good news about Jesus and the resurrection. They took him and brought him to the Areopagus and said, may we learn about this new teaching you are presenting because what you say sounds strange to us and we want to know what these things mean. Now, all the Athenians and the foreigners residing there spent their time on nothing else 
but telling or hearing something new. Paul stood in the midst of the Areopagus and said, People of Athens, I see that you are extremely religious in every respect, for as I was passing through and observing the objects of your worship, I even found an altar on which was inscribed to an unknown God. Therefore, what you worship in ignorance, this I proclaim to you, the God who made the world and everything in it, he is Lord of heaven and earth, does not live in shrines made by hands, neither is he served by human hands, as though he needed anything, since he himself gives everyone life and breath and all things. From one man, he has made every nationality to live over the whole earth and has determined their appointed times and the boundaries of where they live. He did this so that they might seek God and perhaps they might reach out and find him, though he is not far from each one of us. For in him we live and move and have our being. As even some of your own poets have said, for we are also his offspring. Since then, we are God's offspring. We shouldn't think that the divine nature is like gold or silver or stone, an image fashioned by human art and imagination. Therefore, having overlooked the times of ignorance, God now commands all people everywhere to repent, because he has set a day when he is going to judge the world in righteousness by the man he has appointed. He has provided proof of this to everyone by raising him from the dead. When they heard about the resurrection of the dead, some began to ridicule him, but others said, we'd like to hear from you again about this. So Paul left their presence. However, some people joined him and believed, including Dionysius, the Areopagite, a woman named Damaris, and others with them. Let me just say one thing that there's so much here. Whenever I teach the book of Galatians, which is all about the circumcision issue, which is what that big council in Acts 15 was all about. When I go and teach the students at Word of Life Bible Institute, and, and I'm in Galatians 2 trying to explain circumcision to them, I always take a few minutes and give them what I call Pastor Ray's circumcision talk. I will not give that to you here. I will just observe this one thing, it would have been hard. I don't care how fervently you believed in Jesus. It would have been hard for any Jewish believer, any Messianic Christian, any Messianic believer in Jesus who'd been raised in the Jewish faith to understand if Abraham had been circumcised and Isaac was circumcised and Jacob was circumcised and Joseph and all the boys, and Moses was circumcised, and Joshua was circumcised, and name them, Saul and David and Solomon and, and Isaiah and Jeremiah and Daniel and Ezekiel, all the way down to Malachi. If, if, if all the kings and all the priests and all the prophets, yeah, you never had to ask a Jewish man, have you been circumcised? Because if you're a Jewish man, by definition, you were circumcised in obedience to the command of God on the eighth day after your birth, written in the law of God for 2,000 years. And now suddenly, the gospel is going to go out around the world. Among the Gentiles, largely speaking, they didn't practice, generally speaking, the Gentiles didn't practice the rite of circumcision. And oh, what a difference. What You can see why it was, it was the number one problem with the first huge problem in the 
in the Christian church. And thank God it was settled early on. Thank God it was settled this way. It was settled uh, by that council in Jerusalem when they heard that God had opened the door through Peter's preaching and Paul and Barnabas' preaching. James got up and he quoted from the book of Amos and he said, we're not going to lay, let's not make it hard. Let's not make it hard for the Gentiles to come to God. And so they said, no, you don't have to be circumcised to be Christian. You don't have to be circumcised to come into the church. You don't have to be circumcised to go to heaven, which is why Paul could say to the Philippian jailer at midnight, he could say to him, what the, when he said, sirs, what must I do to be saved? A wonderful answer. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you shall be saved and your whole household. And Paul preached the gospel. And Silas preached the gospel. And that night, the whole family was saved and they got baptized sometime between midnight and early the next morning. Thus does the gospel spread. Thank God. Thank God for that Acts Council, the Acts 15 Council that settled the issue. It is Jesus and Jesus only. Only Jesus and Jesus only. When I used to preach at Calvary, I, I would often say, five words will get you to heaven. Only Jesus and Jesus only. Aren't you glad for this? Say that with me. Only Jesus and Jesus only. That, my friends, is the saving gospel of Jesus Christ. Hold on to it. Believe it. Trust it. Rest upon it and share it wherever you go. Go out and have a wonderful day, folks. Have an amazing God-blessed day. Come back tomorrow. Boy, this story in the book of Acts just gets better and better. More to come. See you back here tomorrow. God bless.